everybody out there. This is Fried Squirms. Sexy voices for sexy times. No, we're here to get stoned talk about horror movies. How's it going, Danny? I'm well. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Oh, I guess normally I'd say I'm Tyler. I, I just... That's okay. We gave it away. We it's gave okay. it away. I'm Tyler. <laughs> I'm Danny. <laughs> yeah, like we just said, get stoned, talk about horror movies. We're going to start with the getting stoned part. I've already been recording today, so I'm already, like, mostly there. <laughs> but we're going to get our green hits in for our session. So what is this, Jay, that you brought me today? All right. So once again... I did stop over at our lovely friends at Flower and picked up the lovely strain Lemon Lava. Didn't realize it was a play with alliteration here, but <laughs> it is a strain that was bred by Finest Cannabis. Now, Finest is spelled with P-H. Okay. Yeah. And they crossed lemon heads with lava cake. The result is a lemon strain. It has added herbal and minty aromas, and this one has uh, various flavors, of course, including like citrus zest, said a little bit of sage you'll taste maybe some minty notes here and a little bit of a grape aftertaste now the buds on this have been known for its vivid saffron colored hairs and uh, this one comes on smooth and provides a bright alert and refreshing high now the numbers of course you know we've talked about this in the past you know you don't always have to go by the numbers but theirs is pretty high this is a sativa when i say this is like in the upper 20 odd percent 28 or so something like that Okay. But yeah, I, I like it. Like I said, it's a, it's a nice sativa. It'll keep you focused. I didn't go get any J's today. I did lo- end up loading you a bowl of uh, some Montana silver tip that you, you went through before recording. Just the tip. Uh, just the tip. As previously mentioned before, my personal favorite strain. I stopped in top shelf during the weekend, and as soon as I walked in, it was just right on the wall in <laughs> front of me. Perfect. I'm like, you know what? I haven't bought a quarter in a while. I'm going to get a quarter of silver tip. I quarter silver tip. Awesome. Plus, I'm, I want to try to like make myself start using my Firefly more again. And I know that the silver tip tastes great in the Firefly. There so I'm go. hoping it's going to help hook me back in. Anyway, uh, it is a cross between Granddaddy Perp, Super Silver Haze, and good berry flavor. Berry and sweet, I would say, for the most part. It's a good hybrid and provides a good all around high from that. I mean, that's kind of why I go to it, because that's what I've always gotten from it. I smoke it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's trusty. And this particular batch is testing in at around 27% THC. Hell yeah. To go along with all that, want to remind you all, go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. Even the very lowest level, $1 a month, you could have got this last week. Higher than that, you get more perks. One of those perks, we now know what it's going to be. Every fourth episode, you're going to get one of our reanimated episodes. You can go listen to that. These other fools, what am I doing calling them jokes? They're fools. Because they're not getting in on this cheap deal of getting even extra content from us. As we look back through our old catalog. Hell yeah. And other shit to come. Go check that out. Patreon.com slash fried squirms. And I think we are going to get into the guts and bolts of Scream Blackula Scream. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, Scream Blackula Scream. Who and what went into making this movie? Try to keep it spoiler-free. First off, our setup for the flick. Mamu Walde is brought back from the dead again, I guess, technically. Yeah. As part of a voodoo political power move only he has his own plans and that's where i'll leave it (laughs) i mean that's about as basic as you can Mm -hmm. get so of course we'd like to talk about the cast and crew of the films that we review and with this week our director is bob kelgen and this gentleman is known actually for a couple of other vampire flicks which include count yorga and the return of count yorga He's also responsible for a couple of episodes of Starsky and Hutchback in 1975 all the way through 1978. He did a few episodes of Charlie's Angels from 1977 through 1979. And he actually did an episode of the TV version of Fame back in 1982. Yeah. We have a couple different writers on this project. Actually, two we've talked about before, and those happen to be Joan Torres and Raymond Koenig. We talked about them back on episode 30 when we did Blackula. 
The other one is Maurice Jules. Now, they were known for the Velvet Vampire film. All right, our cinematographer on this one is Isidore Menkovsky. This person's actually really interesting, especially when you look at some of their filmography. So back in 1971, they did the film Werewolves on Wheels. I kind of get them into the horror genre. The year before, they did AKA Cassius Clay, which is a boxing documentary about Muhammad Ali. Okay. All right. Now, he's also responsible for the 1979 film, The Muppet Movie. What? 1980s, The Jazz Singer. Some people might have seen 1983's Quarterback Princess. The only reason I bring this one up is because it's so weird. It has um, Helen Hunt as, like, the quarterback princess. Yeah, really young. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, shit. Now I'm wondering if maybe I did see that movie. I think I probably have and didn't realize it because I, you know, I was a fucking kid back then. Wow. Okay. All right. Now I know for sure out of at least the next three I'm going to bring up, you've probably seen at least one of them. I've seen all three. All right. 1985. He's known for Better Off Dead. Okay. Also, 1985, he did Ewoks: The Battle for Endor. Okay. Absolutely. 1986, One Crazy Summer. Okay, yeah, Ewoks. I've, I'm all over Ewoks. All right. So I've literally seen all three because 85 and 86, uh, Better, Better Off, Off Dead, Dead. One Did Crazy I Summer. Better, who's in Better Off Dead? Yeah, John Cusack in both of those. So Better Ooh, Off I, Dead. Mm, nope, nope. Yeah, Better Off Dead is uh, basically the ski race down the mountain. Oh, it's that one. And One okay. Crazy Summer is Demi Moore, Cat Goldthwait. Okay. Yeah, that one's pretty decent. All right, so a couple of other films of note. 1988's A Very Brady Christmas, 1989's Parent Trap Part 3. He also did The Heidi Chronicles, and the last film of note was She Cried No. All right, moving forward, we have editor Fabian Torgman. He's known, actually, for editing several episodes of the original run of Star Trek from 1966 through 1969. He was also the editor on The Return of Count Yorga. He did a few episodes of The Six Million Dollar Man back in 1974. Okay. Barnaby Jones back in 1977 through 78. The Prize Fighter in the film Stand Alone. All right, now this music was composed by Bill Marks. Once again, he was also known for Count Yorga and The Return of Count Yorga. He also helped on the films Deathmaster and Terror at Red Wolf Inn. Right, this was produced by Joseph T. Narr. Production company on this was American International Pictures, also known as AIP. They were also the distributor for the 1973 United States theatrical release, which premiered on June 27th, 1973 here in the States. It had an estimated budget somewhere between $1 million and about $2.2 million. It depends on who you look at. Wikipedia, I think, shows one. The database shows two, so somewhere between there. And the tagline... On this is the Black Prince of Shadows stalks the Earth again. All right, not as cool as uh, the crazy oh, ass tagline from the first one that Christ. Jesse brought up. Yeah, that's a mind bender, dude. <laughs> that one was fucking dope. Arguably one of the better ones that we've had. Yeah, I don't remember it now. Done. No, I can't say it verbatim. I can probably paraphrase it. But that shit was dope. This is fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you know. Serves its purpose. All right, moving into the cast. Once again, reprising his role as Prince Mumawalde, a.k.a. Blackula, is William Marshall. We talked about him, of course, back on episode 30 of Blackula. Now, a couple of other films of note. Was it really that long ago? I know, dude. That's, that's bonkers. So if you look throughout his filmography, he's known for such things as Demetrius and the Gladiators. That's like back in 1954. He was also in the Boston Strangler. Back in 1968, he was in the movie Honky back in 1971. Right. He was in, let's see here, uh, Twilight's Last Gleaming, 1977, Amazon Women on the Moon from 87, and kids like myself, we might have grown up watching him on such things as uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse as the King of Cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's something else that's really cool. He played Dr. Richard Daystorm on the Star Trek television series. Okay. Yeah, so just a few things of note from Mr. Marshall. All right, we have Don Mitchell plays the role of Justin Carter. Now, Don, he is known for appearing as Raymond Burr back on the NBC television series Ironside. That was from 1967 through 75. He also played the role of Mark Sanger and reprised the role in the made-for-TV reunion film in 1993, which is actually one of his last television appearances. 
Um, it looks like he appeared in such things as Mick Millen and Wife, which is kind of funny if you know the reference. <laughs> so, you know, just a few things of note there. All right. Now, an actress we've talked about before, Pam Greer. She plays the role of Lisa Fortier. We talked about her way back on episode 198 when we talked about Bones. Jimmy right. Bones. Yeah. Which has a really interesting connection to this film. So... How far do we want to get in Pam's catalog, her career? I'll just name a few things of note. Probably some of her titular roles in such films as Coffee and Foxy Brown. Right? She's also known for... Jackie Brown. Yeah, man. Jackie Brown. Now, she's also known for such things as Black Mama, White Mama. She was in the films Escape from L.A. She was in Black Mama, White Mama is the one with Sid Haig, too, right? Yeah, sure is. She was also in Larry Crown and the 2019 film Palms. She was also part of the L Word television series. Some people might have seen her in the ABC sitcom Bless This Mess, which uh, was from 2019 through 2020. And Ted's Bogus Journey. I know, dude. She's been in so many films. Like, how, how, how much time do we have? She's been in a bunch of stuff. I think most notably she's known for playing, like, those action, female action heroes mm-hmm. back in the 1970s, you know, black exploitation films. All right, moving forward, we have Michael Conrad, who plays the role of Lieutenant Harley Dunlop. And a uh, few things of note from Mr. Conrad. Now, some people might recognize him. If you ever watched Hill Street Blues, he played veteran cop sergeant Phil Esterhouse. Now, he went on, actually, to win two Emmy Awards for his outstanding supporting actor in a drama series for his role in the Hill Street Blues series. That was back in 81 and 82, which is really neat. He was also a part of the Demetrius and the Gladiators film, which I mentioned William Marshall was in. He was also part of the Ironside television series back in 1970 through 71. He was in All in the Family, which is really neat, back in 72. I mean, I think what I probably know him best for um, is the original Longest Yard. Yeah, that's really cool. Because he's Nate Scarborough, who is the coach. That's dope. Yeah. A few other films of note. He was in uh, Planet of the Apes, which was a television series back in 74. He was in Satan's Triangle. The Six Million Dollar Man. Also in Little House on the Prairie, Charlie's Angels, The Walton. So, you know, he looks like he did a lot of television, which is really neat. Next, we have Janie Michelle. She plays the role of Gloria. A few things of note from her. She was in the television series The Outcasts back in 1968. Some people might have recognized her from the television series The Governor and J.J. back in 1969. Now, some of these was really interesting. That one in particular won, like... Some, um, I think some Emmy Awards, I'm not mistaken, for like best comedy series or something like that. It's like, it won some major awards. It was really neat. All right. She was also a part of the film Soul Soldier. She was in the FBI television series back in 1970. She was also in the film The House on Skull Mountain. And one of my all-time favorite television series, she was in Sanford and Son back in 1974. Dope. Yeah. All right. We have Lynn Moody. She plays the role of Denny. Now, Lynn, a few things of note from her, she was Tracy Curtis Taylor in the ABC television sitcom That's My Mama back in 74 through 75. She also played Irene Harvey in Roots back in 1977, also part of Roots The Next Generation in 79, and she was also Patricia Williams in Knott's Landing from 1988 through 1980, which are just a few things of note from her there. Like I said, a lot of television, just from what I'm kind of glancing over, uh, such things as like the Jeffersons, which is really cool. I used to watch that a bunch. She was in Hill Street Blues as well for seven episodes. Uh, e R, but this is episodes. Yeah, e this is slash R. Yeah, this is from different. the eighties, yeah. not E <laughs> period. That's R period from the nineties. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like stuff I watched. Um, Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero back in ninety seven. She did an episode of Clueless back in ninety seven as well. She was an Alias. So yeah, like I said, a lot of television as well. All right. We have Barbara Roach. She plays the role of Elaine. She was like one of the couples that go into the house earlier on in the film. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. redhead chick in this film. All right. Some people probably know her, most notably as the Lady Bandit Penelope Badpenny Cushing's in The Shakiest Gun in the West, which starred Don Knotts back in 1968. She also had a recurring role on Soap as Maggie Chandler in Jody Dallas's future wife, which is really cool. Um, a few other things of note from her. 
She was in the 1976 film The Great Houdini. Some people might also recognize her in the 77 film The Choir Boys. One of those actresses, once again, that was in a ton of television series, man. I mean, we could be here all day talking about some of her roles. I think more interesting, maybe, like some Magnum P.I. murder she wrote. Um, she was in Charles in Charge for an episode, which is really cool. So stuff like that. We have... Bernie Hamilton plays the role of Ragman in this film. Now, a few things of note from him. He was best known as Captain Dobie and Starsky and Hutch from 75 through 79. Uh, he was also uh, noticed in the film One Potato, Two Potato back in 64, uh, which it says is about the story of an interracial marriage. Now, something I didn't notice, like a lot of these actors, like especially in the late 60s, early 70s, a lot of these actors and actresses, I mean, outside of being in like exploitation films, black exploitation films. Yeah. They were in really some interesting like social commentary films, which dealt with a lot of these mm. quote unquote taboo subjects like drug use and interracial marriage and, you know, all these other interesting topics. But aside from that, Bernie Hamilton, a few other things of note from him. Some people might recognize him all the way back in 1950 in the Jackie Robinson story where he played Ernie. He was also in the Harlem Globetrotters, which is really neat back in 1951. He was also in uh, Bucktown from 75 and The Devil at 4 o'clock back in 61. All right, a few other people of note. I have Richard Lawson. He plays the role of Willis Daniels. He is uh, the guy that's kind of in cahoots with Pam Greer's character in the film. All right, some people might recognize him because he portrayed Ryan in the 1982 film Poltergeist, which has an interesting connection with another actor here in just a moment. And he also played Dr. Ben Taylor in the 1983 NBC miniseries V, which I think a lot of people mm. probably recognize. Now, a few other things of note from him. Once again, a lot of television. He was in such things as All My Children. He was also in Kojak. He was also in Sister, Sister. Some people might recognize him in Soul Food, The Bernie Mac Show. He was also in uh, Chicago Story, Streets of Fire, Dirty Harry. So he's been in a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, it wasn't one of the soaps that I grew up watching because it wasn't one that my grandma watched, but he was cast as a regular role in like two seasons of All My Children. That's pretty cool. I mean, like I said, a lot of these people had some really cool roles in television. And if I remember right, like oh. soap seasons are fucking gigantic. So, Well, here's something, because I know you've mentioned this in the past that you were a fan. You might have seen him in an episode of Dead Like Me. Oh, yeah, I'm in, sure I did. I'm, I'm sure three, I saw yeah. him in an episode of Sister, Sister. I'm <laughs> sure I saw wild, him man. in Judging Amy. Sure, because my grandma watched it, that <laughs> I saw him in Touched by an Angel. Like, There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a couple other people note. I've got Arnold Williams plays the role of Lewis in this film. He was the one that went in the, the house with Elaine in the yeah. film. All right, he was in the film The Panic in Needle Park, which was one of those films I was just talking about, about uh, drug use, mm-hmm. heroin. All right, he was also in Across 110th Street. He was also in the film The King of Marvin Gardens, Live and Let Die, and Mother Jugs and Speed. Live and Let Die, huh? Yeah. Good on him. All right, I've got three other people to note. Get that bond money. I know, like, fuck it, why not, right? We have Van Kirksey plays the role of Professor Walston. A few films of note from him. He was in the film Uptight, The Landlord, and he was also in The King of Marvin Gardens. We have... James Kingsley plays the role of Sergeant Williams. He was in Act of Vengeance, Cooley High, and The Choir Boys. And last but not least, we have Craig T. Nelson, Coach. What the fuck is Coach doing in this movie? <laughs> he just, uh, he plays Sarge in the film. But, yeah, I already mentioned earlier, because the mm. actor plays Willis is in Poltergeist. Uh, hello, Craig T. Nelson, mm-hmm. Poltergeist. People should know that. Uh, a few other films. What year was Poltergeist? 82. 82. Damn, so they worked together in this movie nine years before Poltergeist? That's a while, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show. Sometimes that happens. All right. He was Deputy Ward Wilson in the 1980 film Stir Crazy, right? He was also in Action Jackson. He was in the film Turner and Hooch back in 89. He was in The Devil's Advocate back in 97. Some people might know him as Chief Jack Mannion in the District television series back in 2000 through 2004. Look, if you don't just call him Coach, I don't want to know you. I know, right? Well, here's another thing we should know, man, because we're fans of Jason Lee, which we brought up yesterday night just in personal conversation. Oh, right. But he was the warden, and my name is Earl. Yeah. Yep, yep. 
right? He's also Mr. Incredible in the 2004 film The Incredibles and its 2018 sequel. And he also starred as Zeke Braverman in the television series Parenthood. All right, so that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup of what this film entails. Should give our listeners some warnings. Vampires? Vampires. It's I mean, Blackula, there's, so there's black a, vampire. It's, there's some violence. Yes, and there's blood. There's some language, not much, but there's some blood. There's yeah, some there's some language. language. The violence is pretty tame. It, it is. I was going to say, this, this movie is more predicated upon, like, atmospheric scares. Yeah. If that makes sense. I agree. We can get into that because yeah, I, I know think, that's kind of vague, but uh, we'll get into that. Let's just call that good for our warnings and get into our next section and find out how Scream Blackula Scream made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, Scream Blackula Scream. Pretty confident this is both of our first times. Exactly. Now. I will say this. I tried starting it prior to this weekend. It wasn't just... Oh, okay. You know, because I, I believe Stars had it at one time, like had both of the films mm. on. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. Scream back to scream. And kind of the same thing. I got like maybe 15, 20 minutes into it. It's one of those things I, I have a bad habit of doing is trying to watch a film late at night, knowing damn well I'm not going to finish it. Yeah, and then, you know, leave off and yeah. never get back to it. So that's kind of what happened. So, so you would see in the first 15 minutes before. Right, but aside from that, I'd never seen it before. Yeah, first time for me, I was excited because Pam Greer and more Blackula. And I don't know, man. For me, unfortunately, I think the most exciting thing about this movie is it has Pam Greer in it. Yeah, I think you pretty much mentioned the highlights of the film is William Marshall and Pam Greer. Now, I will say this. I do like the score. I think the score Mm. does a good job of kind of setting certain tones and... Like I said, the atmosphere of the film kind of, you know, I guess it's it's supposed to build a little bit of the suspense and terror, if you will, you know. But, yeah, there's there's some glaring holes in this film. And I'm curious if maybe I went into it with too high of expectations because Blackula did kind of blow us away a little bit. Right. It was, Blackula was a lot better than I was anticipating. Exactly. Left quite the impression. So, I mean, I guess people bring this up, like... There's a reason, not just because the title is weird, that this (laughs) movie's kind of brought up more on the low end of things. People already have a hard time taking the name Blackula seriously. Right, but... So Scream Blackula Scream, of course people are going to clown on it. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's because it's... It's in the exploitation genre, too. So some of the names of the films for that time period are a little over the top. They can be, Mm -hmm. not all of them, of course, but there's quite a few... This is no exception. Yeah, now I know it's more just because the movie is, it's fine. Right. You know, but... eh. I wasn't having a bad time at any time watching it. No, no, no. But, you know, it was kind of like, ah, ah. It's definitely not Blackula. You know what I mean? Like the first one. It's definitely not the same kind of... I I was listening to somebody earlier, and they made a really good point. They were talking about the writing in the first one compared to this one, which is interesting because I've already mentioned the, the writers are the same. Mm-hmm. So they had a really good story in Blackula, you know, being turned because he was against the slave trade in Transylvania with Dracula, and then Dracula cursed him, bit him, entombed him, and then, you know, that's where Blackula picks up in the first film. And, you know, there's like a, a, a love story connected to it. There's... Sympathy. It's very mummy-ish. Right. And you do, you're very sympathetic to his character, like that character of Blackula, because of all the aforementioned things we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's like, it's, uh, where are they going with this film? Because it's set up one way and then it diverges. Well, yeah, it diverges almost immediately, first right. off. And you're like, okay. Uh, because the setup for this movie in the opening scenes is the old voodoo priestess has died. So she has a son. Mm -hmm. Which you would think would be the rightful heir. But she didn't actually name an heir. So everyone's like, well, it has to go to vote. And Pam Greer is everyone's choice. Exactly. Willis don't even guys. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, I was just, I was thinking that the whole time I was watching this film. (laughs) And once again, what the fuck is he talking about? Why does he want to take control of 
essentially a coven, I guess. I don't know what the yeah, actual word yeah. for it would be. They just kept saying cult, and I'm like... That's just, yeah, that's a blanket term. Yeah. Why would he want to take control of one where literally nobody in the entire thing likes him? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just a It's going to be a unanimous vote for the other person. Yeah, like, I will say this. I, I thought it was bold, but, you know, considering the genre that we're talking about here, in that opening sequence when he's trying to call out Pam Greer's character for being, you know, mm-hmm. street gal and all that shit, and then, you know, that guy Justin comes to her defense, and then on the way out as... Willis is walking out. That one gal is like, "Yeah, we're gonna vote for her anyway." <laughs> I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> you just like it was de-escalated. Now you're escalating that shit again. You shut up. Yes, yeah, cut it out. Well, I was like, okay, okay, okay. I get it because it's this. It's this type of film. Now, here's something I did learn. We've talked about voodoo before. Yeah, I think quite a few times now. Right. Right. Now I know we talked about it. Quite a bit because of the film Serpent and the Rainbow. Yes. All right, so here's something I learned about this film. Is they use the word Loa. They talk about mm-hmm. Loa. And it's like, okay, what, what, what is that? Because I'm not familiar with that term. So what I found out is that is actually the term for voodoo spirits. Yes. Like, okay, cool. I do know this because I read about voodoo a lot. Yeah. But explain and, it to the audience. Okay, so <laughs> Loa, which I just mentioned, are voodoo spirits. Now, they are the aides of the practitioners of voodoo. And with that comes uh, success in life. It also helps in sexuality, spirituality, protection, healing, and it also, uh, they aid them in death, right? And in this case, Loa, they're kind of considered like angels or spirit guides, if you will, in voodooism, but they are divided into groups or nations known as nonchans or nonkins, something of that nature. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, shit, I didn't know any of this because I don't really, I don't read up much on it. But I was like, oh, that's, at least that's kind of interesting because they're sticking to something that's, you know, mm-hmm. you can actually, okay, well, shit, there's some substance here. But that's, like I said, that's when it starts to diverge because that's where I was thinking this film was leaning into. It's like, okay, there's a divide here. There's a, if you will, there's a house divided. You know, yeah, and because of that, all right, this guy wants some. He wants what he feels is rightfully his, right? He's inheriting this role from his mother, the bloodline, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he gets the aid of this shaman priest, who once again, this guy also was seeking revenge because he was ousted and all this other stuff. And he happens to have the skeletal remains of Blackula. Now he doesn't say that; he just says there's like this there's power, power attached this. to it. Yeah. You know, and then they go through the no ritual. Kid, you don't want none of this shit, yeah. but you can have her 15 bucks. 15 bucks, you get the trick. Little done. man, put yeah, that put shit that in that my head. That's right. You know the rest. So, no, 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 He goes back to the, to the quickie mart, cooks up that damn voodoo shit, and, you know. First off, I want to say that seems like a very <laughs> simple ritual for bringing some fucking bones back to from the dead. All right. Thank you. That's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, there is a common thread, Pam Greer, but there's a lot of commonality with that film Bones, man, because of yeah. what we're just saying. The Bones of Jimmy Bones. Come on, dude. All right. Also, like, I don't know, man. Something about this movie, I almost feel like fucking Child's Play was more respectable about voodoo Thank than you. this movie is. Yeah, I do too, man. I think I'm not using it as an excuse, but I think. Because of, like I said, the subgenre it's in, it has a little bit of that freedom to be a little over the top with it, exaggerate right. stuff. Still not an excuse, oh, yeah. but oh, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's like, look, they're gonna say we fucking practice voodoo anyway. Let's right. just do it. Might as well lean into it. <laughs> but I, but I started thinking to myself, like, it's black exploitation. Like black people had a hand in making this, but. It's a weird subgenre. There's things that are still very problematic about black exploitation at times. Yeah. And so voodoo is basically chosen in this movie because it's a black religion. Oh, dude. There, There's oh, no man. other reason for it to be voodoo, right? Precisely. What else would it be? Well, that's the other thing. I'm like, <laughs> what if instead of voodoo, it was a fucking like Southern Baptist? Oh, dude. That'd be <laughs> perfect, right? Pentecostal or some crazy yeah, shit. shit, snake handlers. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm done with that. But that no, we didn't get that. No. But here's where I think 
this film takes that huge turn is once Blackula is on the scene and he turns Willis, whatever Willis had intention-wise and the rest of the voodoo shit-wise, that's out the fucking window. Right. Blackula's like, no, this is my movie. <laughs> no, Fuck he's you, like, dude. yeah, he basically, <laughs> like, the dude's like, yeah, I gotta get to this party and shit. He's like, no, you ain't going nowhere unless I say you can leave. You're like, all right, hold on wait a minute. No, this is, once again, I wish I could give this guy proper credit because he brought up a good point here on that YouTube channel. But he's like, you know, if you're going to follow, like, the whole voodoo thing and the person who is, in this case, resurrecting a ring about the dead, you would assume that they would have control over that. It's almost like a necromancer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you would think that he would have Willis, that is, would have control over Blockula, but that is not the case. And that kind of, like, subverts, the, like I was saying, the whole plot that was set up in the first place. Right. Now it can't be, like you said, a house divided because— no. Willis can't win now. No, it's game over for him. He's out of the picture now. Yeah, so by default, Pam Greer's in. They yeah. don't even have to vote at this point. It's, it's over. I mean, they don't know that, but it's... But it's over. Yeah, fate has been sealed. And then, yeah, for the rest of the film, it's like, okay, now where are they, where are they going with this? Yeah. It almost would have been more interesting. Because he built up like a minion, an army. What they should have done was had Pam Greer's character for some reason bring up early in the movie and establish as like a defining character trait that she's against returning the dead to life. That's the difference between her and mm. the actual son. Is like that a, like a more darker art yeah. form, yeah. And like he's willing to do whatever it fucking takes. And so you have Blackula controlling him, but running the behind the scenes right kind voodoo of politically him. yeah so that when he takes control he can use the voodoo power to turn himself that makes sense he's like instead he's of, of an instead of pam being on his side right right he he's advising <laughs> willis he's an advisor with sinister plans yeah he should be just like yeah he should be jafar <laughs> basically <laughs> he should yeah. be jafar in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> So he, that's it's like yeah that would make more sense. He should be trying to install Willis as like a puppet voodoo king. Yeah, but no, in this case he's like no, I've got my minions. Now I'm going to use Pam Greer's character because she's a powerful priestess. He sees that in her and he wants his curse to be lifted. I mean, that's essentially if we're going to cut through the chase, that's what this film mm-hmm. kind of leans into. Now, because she has a partner Pam Greer, that is her character, that dude Justin and he has knowledge and the occult and all this other stuff. He starts to piece together like these the strings of murders and what have you. It's like this is looking more and more like the work of a vampire, you know, against all odds. And he's like, "Look, I don't want to believe this, right? But, but what else? What the fuck else does this? This is yeah. It's like what else? And he keeps showing this racist ass fucking cop." <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, I don't know if you caught what he said. There's something he says. No, I don't think it's the the guy himself. It's just right, his right. character. He, yeah, he we don't want to put that on him. No, 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 no. It's like, I'm not going to do that. It's just his character, what his character says in reference to Gloria. And Gloria was one of the victims at the house party that Pam Greer and that dude Justin were throwing, where Bakula right. first makes his appearance to them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He bites her in the bathroom and all that shit. All right, now, the officer, because he's like, he's already kind of thinking maybe Pam Greer has a role in that, right? That Mm -hmm. woman's death or whatever. But what he's talking about was when he's referring to her bite marks, Gloria's bite marks. This is where it gets racist as fuck if you're paying attention, right? He's talking about Gloria, and he refers to her bite marks as its bite marks. Mm. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> he was referring to her as it. I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't talking about it as the bite marks. It's like, right. no, there's no mistake in that. Because I watched mm-hmm. that like three or four times. Make sure I wasn't mishearing that. So it's like, god damn. He was saying it in a way where he meant the bite marks that are on it. Yes. Not what made right. it. Right. Exactly. I'm like, damn. And it wasn't even sly. Because that wasn't the first time he was doing some racy shit. Right. But I was like, damn, that was, that was sly as Fuck. Well, I mean, let's talk about when he's bringing up what everybody knows about voodoo. That's what I'm getting at. I'm like, Jesus. What does everyone know about voodoo? Super trophy. First, 
Snakes. Snakes. Everybody knows that. You guys drink blood. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Voodoo people drink blood? No, snakes and blood, bro. Everybody knows that. I'm like, kill the chicken, but... Yeah, you know... You don't have to drink the blood, right? Like, that's only certain rituals. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know... I'm even going to throw Hinduism in here with the cows. <laughs> Just as an analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, what is these like, snakes are to voodoo like sacred cows are to Hinduism. Yeah, I'm like... Okay, I guess we're going to use a reference here, but damn racist. Which I do read about voodoo a lot. Like, I don't know how much snakes are actually involved, but it's not as much as he was saying. I was, you know, honestly, I mean, this is going to sound tropish, <laughs> for lack of a better word, but I would more or less associate chickens. Yeah, same here. I would think chickens before snakes. Oh, absolutely. 100%. At least I would, in my limited experience and viewing pleasure, if you will, of mm-hmm. voodoo on film, yeah, that's what I associate it with. But, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. And the drinking blood is way far down on the list. Yeah, that's like, that drinking-wise, no, I'm thinking more like chicken, blood, ritual. Yeah. And, you know, whatever else that comes along with it. Ritual symbols, reading dolls, dolls, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. stuff like that, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how do you not bring up voodoo dolls and what all the public knows? Yeah, I'm like, we all know you like to knit dolls. (laughs) Which, by the, which isn't actually a voodoo thing, but it's what people, it's the trope no, about we, voodoo. All right. We actually advocated for this a long time ago when we did the people on the stairs for the Etsy dolls that they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying we're an advocate for dolls here. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I was saying, it could be a thing. But, yeah, there's there's other things on the list I would associate voodoo with outside of snakes. Before those. Drinking blood. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. Well, you know, when you look back on what he was saying earlier, it's like, okay, that kind of lines up with his worldview. So there's that. Man, I was just thinking about it when you were bringing up the fact that, like, so ultimately, (laughs) Mama Walde just wants to turn human again in this movie. Uh, That's all he wants. Which is kind of, like, a more understandable thing than even his intentions in the first movie. Mm -hmm. Where, like... I mean, I get it was like his true love and all, but it was also kind of just the power of boners. Uh, yeah, which I mean, we we get we get it, but like, I, he wants to become human. He doesn't want to be this monster anymore. Yeah, he keeps making all curse. these fucking vampires. And William Marshall's acting does a lot of the heavy work because the writing doesn't. <laughs> you ain't lying. But man, at the same time, like. He's also two or three times as big of a jerk as he was in the first movie. Absolutely. Like, there is a difference in, in his demeanor in the film. Between the two films, I should say. Yeah, He's definitely still charming oh, at he, times. He's great, yeah. But it's not like the first movie. Which, where I had a hard time viewing him as a villain in any sense. Right. Other than the fact that, like, being a vampire, he does kind of have to drink blood to eat. But yeah, I, will I don't know that. how much you can hold somebody to human rules... When they're technically not human now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There, there's a couple of things of note, which as much as it's easy to kind of like down talk some of the, the flaws it has, there are some highlights that I really, really enjoy about this film. Like, for instance, it took over 12 minutes before you even get the title sequence, like the mm, opening mm-hmm. title sequence and theme and all that stuff. I was like, okay, I like that. Because, not that it's great, but I liked it, but the title sequence, um, for those who care, it was done by Sandy DeVore, and the title theme song is Torment. Okay. So I was like, okay, that's, I, I like that. That was pretty dope. Like, because that was right after, if I'm not mistaken, that was where Elaine and Lewis, they show up and then they get bit. Oh, and yeah. And then you get that. And I'm like, oh, cool, that was fucking dope. Actually, it was a little bit before I was... Pardon me. I think that's right after he turns Willis. Right. That's when it kicks in. Right after. Yeah. Okay. All right. But getting back to Elaine and Lewis, um, the actress who played Elaine, Barbara Rhodes, it's like, you know what? The movie's not great, but she sells her performance, like Mm -hmm. her being terrified of Blackula and getting kind of closed in. It's like, you could read that in a couple different ways, but... If you're just playing it straight down the middle, I was like, she was just terrified, petrified of those two guys. But I was like, if you really want to be an asshole about it, I was like, you say she was being a Karen because there was two black guys and she was freaking out. But that's not the case. But I don't know if this is true or not. I saw somebody saying online that this 
Count Yorga and the first Blackula are some of the first times in vampire movie history that the people getting bit have an expression of pain or horror on their face as opposed to like going to sleep or some sort of bliss. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's like, that was just pure fright that she mm-hmm. was portraying. Like she was terrified and she, her performance sold it. Like if nothing else, she did a good job portraying that on film. I was like, I, I appreciate that. But that outside of that, the music was decent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The music was decent, both in terms of the score and the the whole house party. I was like, that would have been mm-hmm. a fun house party to be at. Yeah. It was a good mix of people there. There was a couple of Asians I noticed. I was like, this is somebody's probably great grandma, but there was a cute Asian chick there. And then I noticed an Asian dude with some glasses. It's like, he was a nerd, but he was feeling himself. There was a dude somewhere on one of the love seats. He looked like he was spaced out his mind. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I think one of my fucking favorite bits in this entire movie, it was so fucking funny, is when at the party after he bites, is it Gloria mm-hmm. that he bites at the party? And then, I mean, smartly, he's like, I better dip. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> so he goes outside. Bat turns into a bat. (laughs) And the fucking drunk ass guy who almost looks like he's nodding out against the fucking wall and saw it happen is just shh. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, all right, granted, this is 1973 and they're trying to use like special effects for the bat effect. That was wild. Oh, but that guy's reaction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's where, regardless of, of whether this one was great or bad or however you want to perceive it, there moments like that is what I kind of live for for films like this because mm-hmm. you don't always get that in films, man. But those are like those standout moments. I, I love that stuff. Another moment I wanted to mention, coincidentally enough, is last week we did what we do in the shadows. And there was a moment in this film where because of technology and because of, of what we talked about last week, there's a character in this film that really would have fit well in with one particular thing, and that was Willis was real hung up on the fact that he was never able to see oh, his right. his Man, appearance. Man, gotta be able to see his face. Yeah, he just wanted to know how he looked. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious, because we literally talked about that last week. Yo, that first outfit of his was pretty dope, though. Oh, yeah, all of that shit was dope. I mean, the 70s, the music, the fashion, all that stuff, the lingo was they got him looking pretty jacked up later on, though. When, well, yeah. When the he goes, to, when he goes to bite his fuck. chick and she laughs at him the first time, like, where'd you get those teeth? Get those out yeah. your mouth. I was like, yeah, get those out of your mouth. That looks fucking dumb. Like goofy <laughs> as fuck. But, no, I mean, prior to that, yeah, pretty legit. But I was like, man, if anybody could have used Stu or a digital camera, it was Willis in that moment. He would have been the poker, dude. Yeah. He's been so happy. Willis the poker. <laughs> Willis the He's trying to poker. Yeah, yeah. What will you, if you will? Dude, his chick. Oh, yeah, I know, man. I, that scene later on, <laughs> just like, shut up. Yeah, basically. Shut up. He's like, wait. I heard about you, Blackula. He's like, nah. <laughs> He, he thought for a moment about saying something to Blackula, and he's like, nah, you, you need to chill. You need to chill. <laughs> you need to chill for real. But yeah, like I said, outside of that, there's things that you and I from time to time like to do. And one of those is kind of like reimagining. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you thought about that, about this film, but I was like, you know what? I try to reimagine it as a better film. Well, me too. <laughs> Fuck, I think probably most people who watch this would agree with that. But I was thinking, man, if for whatever reason somebody decided to do like a reboot or revision, if you will, of of this series, like just the two part, you could do Blackula, and if you want to do Screen Blackula, I was like, how would you change it if you wanted to change it? Where would where would the story diverge? Is like first one, it's pretty solid for the most part, you know. This one, it's like all right, there's some things they they were playing with that would have worked, kind of like we were talking about earlier. It's like they should have leaned heavier into the whole voodoo thing in the first place because mm-hmm. they set that up, and then it's like where did it go? Yeah, you know. Like, say, because they took Willis out of the fucking equation, that was it. Look, even if 
we don't go with what I proposed earlier with Mom Walde trying there. to install him as a puppet king. Like, it's more interesting if that entire room wasn't against him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, there's a divide. We could do it Suspiria style. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one dude I was talking about earlier proposed an idea that was kind of interesting, too, is if we assumed that Willis, because he's a fucking, he has some kind of voodoo power. Yeah. He could have controlled Mama all day. Right, and that would have put an arc right back to the beginning because of the whole slave thing. And so now, now he's, being he's used in like a Terminator. Yeah, that too, or he, yeah, he's being enslaved for a, a, a mm-hmm. sinister purpose, etc. So that harkens back to the whole slave trade from the first thing. So he would be once again a sympathetic character that you would be more invested into. Mm-hmm. It would make more sense. And then you know, there's I don't know why they try to do it a little bit. There was a little bit of that love interest with Pam Greer, even though she already had a partner in this film. Right. Well, not just that, but they kind of like try to make it out like she knows him from a previous life, but she's too old to be his wife reincarnated or anything. I was like, no, you already did that in the first film. Don't do it again. So that's the thing. I think the other thing they need to do if they were to ever redo this in any way is combine them together, which is basically... I brought up The Mummy earlier because when you put these movies together, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. If you don't kill the love interest in the first film, and instead by the end she self-actuates and kills him herself the way Pam Greer did after being set up as a weird quasi-love interest that doesn't actually make any sense, if it's just the same gal all the way through, then you're basically just retelling the original Mummy, but that's a pretty good story. Yeah. So... do it. That, that's fine. Um, there's a few things like makeup wise, all the lamb chops and all the. Did it look worse this time to yeah, you? Yeah, I didn't like. What the fuck? Because I remember like it happened in the first one. Right, right, but not. I don't think it was played up that. I mean, maybe it's because it's been so long. Maybe too, it's been perhaps, yeah. but I don't quite remember it being that played up. No, he Regardless. felt a lot more Wolfman-y and not in a good yeah. way. Yeah, you know. Since you've already mentioned it, it's playing on the universal monsters anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, Dracula, Mummy, Wolfman. Just throw them all in there. I guess. I suppose. So, yeah, there, there's... I think there's something there. I wish there. Willis would have took on some of the fucking Phantom of the Hopper oh, to God. cover that goofy-ass face whenever he vamps out. I know we pitched this before. And with goofy-ass six head. <laughs> I can't remember the movie, but I think we've pitched this before with, like, all right, if I was going to give this over to anybody like if i felt comfortable like jordan peele not just because he's black because he's no. black well i mean he does a good job with with social commentary and things like that but i think i got somebody a little bit better and you know in in i'll explain i feel like i would give this hand this job to the creators of black dynamite oh yeah yeah do it <laughs> because they already know how to Use satire and, and mix with the black exploitation model. Fucking cast Michael Jai White as Mama Walde. That's what I'm saying. Boom. Perfect. Everybody else filling the roles, filling the blanks. Perfect. You already got. There you go. And then depending on if you want to go comedic, which I don't think you would. I, I wouldn't go comedic with this. I would try to play a little bit more to horror. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can interject moments of humor here and there. I'm fine with that, especially, like, in this film where you got pimps getting knocked out and shit like that. That's fine. Yeah. You know, you can play into that. That's fine. And you can even that set it in the kinda, 70s. That shit was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can still set in the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Set in the 70s. Play with that. Um, but I would lean into the horror side of it. Make it a little bit more gruesome. Make it more gory. But that's just my two cents. I don't know if it will ever get a remake, if it even needs one, but... What about, just because we saw, just because of a movie we saw earlier, uh, what about Nia DaCosta after doing Candyman? Oh, yeah, dude, I'd be fine with that, too. I think that would be perfect. Very atmospheric and dark and Mm -hmm. still playing with social commentary. And, yeah, I think she would be perfect for that, too, you know, in terms of of more horror-based. Yeah, I think it'd be perfect. So what I'm getting at is there is something in this film or in these two films that somebody in the right hands could do a really good job. And I think it would benefit from some better writing. You know, I, there was one other thing. It's kind of small, but I actually liked it because it's not something you usually see when when this kind of situation happens in a movie. But when he shows up at the party and he fucking schools the fucking African mm-hmm. professor on where the necklace is from and all that shit, when he walks away... 
the professor's just impressed. He's like, dude knows his shit. Yeah. I feel like most of the time in movies, it, like, the person's just all pissed off and, like... Yeah. But Mama Walde laid down such a school and dude's just like, well... Yeah, nope. That's cool. Dude's <laughs> good. Or something new. <laughs> dude's yeah. good. I learned today. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah, no, who's a teacher here? But that was actually kind of I weirdly would, refreshing. It, in I was going to say, that is very refreshing when you... Think about academia in general, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, that's that's like a nice little touch. I'll give you that. I liked that. This movie is kind of just meh, though. Yeah, that's like it's not horrible. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination. We've watched worse. I was just thinking that it's like there's far worse. I even seen anybody can look this up, especially if you're on the Wikipedia. But when you look at its reception, the very very last paragraph in that. It says in the 1980 book, the Golden Turkey Awards awarded the film, this film that is, the distinction as the worst black exploitation movie of all time. And it says in that book, authors Michael Medved and Harry Medved freely admit that they chose Scream Back of the Scream as much for the rowdy crowd at a late night Skid Row theater screening as for the action on screen. So I don't know how much I believe that because there's a lot of films in that subgenre. And I have a hard time believing that this is the worst of them. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that. And if it is... It's mostly just it's kind meh. of boring. Yeah, it's just meh. That's how I feel about it. I was like, meh. If it was on in the background, I might, you know, check it out here and there. But, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, fine. No, like I said, if you're a fan of the series and you just want, I don't know, a little bit more William Marshall on film. Look, I'm glad I watched it to say that I've seen them both. Yeah, likewise. Completed it. Done. Finally but the time. first one's the only one I ever planned on rewatching. <laughs> yeah, again. likewise. And to be fair, it's like, you know, if you're going to choose one or two to watch to be introduced, go straight to Blackula. Don't even bother with this one. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be doing a huge disservice. Mm, damn. We haven't picked next week yet, have we? No, but we are following a trend. But we are following a trend. Next week will be another vampire movie. <laughs> we do know that much, so we can give you at least that. We have, yeah, we've absolutely figured out that much. Expect more vamps. Don't know from where. Right. We're going to go figure that out. (laughs) And it's going to be a lot of fun, especially because that narrows down our choices quite a bit. So for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.